0: Liz Rao definitely has a quirky sense of humor. She's an author and now a podcast host. But recently, she's undergone a major change in her life, VSG Bariatric Surgery. Now she's on a journey to discover health and happiness. Join
1: her as she navigates this new world. This is Life with Liz podcast is brought to you by A Hex in the West by Liz Rao, now available on Kindle, Amazon, Nook, iBooks, Smashwords, Goodreads, and more. If you're looking for a cozy mystery set in the Colorado mountains, look no further than A Hex in the West and get your witch on today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Life with Liz. As you know, we have been talking all things VSG, and today I'm so excited to bring on a special guest. I met her through my Facebook group that I talk so much about on this podcast and how supportive it's been. So I would like to introduce everyone to Sarah. Hello. So we met on this chat board and we were just talking before this podcast about how great it's been because it's opened up like such a new world for both of us.
0: Absolutely.
1: So when did you join the chat board? Because I didn't join until like a week or two before my surgery. Like I was putting it off like, no, need to do it and then like i don't know what changed but about like two weeks out i was like no i'm gonna join
0: so i joined it i it was april or may of 2000 it was after my first appointment with my physician and after my first class that i had to do before i had surgery and it was one of the nutritionists who actually said hey we had this really great support group and because of covid We're not meeting every week like we used to or every other week. And so we've started this Facebook group. Are you interested in joining? And I thought, well, why not? I mean, other people are going through this. I don't really know what to expect um, after surgery. And I wanted to meet people who could at least kind of show me the ropes, I guess, Mm -hmm. and and be a support should I need some support. So I joined April or May of 2000, and um, I'm still a member of it. I had surgery in August of 2000. I'm sorry 2020.
1: And, I was going to just um, ask. I was like I don't think yeah. Facebook was there in 2000. <laughs> sorry. sorry. 2020.
0: 2020. Um and uh it's it's really been a big help.
1: Nice. Well, and I joined I want to say like end of June, maybe the third week of June, like right after my pre-op appointment where I went in and we just went over questions and I took my husband with me and then I realized I really don't know what to expect like I just have no realm or or clue and I think that's what like forced me to like to get out of my comfort zone and join the group right well
0: I'm glad you did I'm glad I got to
1: meet you I know it's been really fun um so what's your story why did you do via um you're VSG right yeah um so what's what's the story there
0: So um, my family has a a very long history of bariatric surgery. I've had both an aunt and an uncle had um, gastric sleeve surgery. My sister had um, the gastric banding done back in the, I want to say, early 2000s, which failed later. We're just um, bigger people (laughs) (laughs) as a whole. And um, I had never actually thought that. I would need bariatric surgery. And um, I turned 40 a couple of years ago, and everything really slowed down. And it probably didn't help that I had broken my ankle. I used to be a runner. And um, you can't eat like a runner and not move like a runner. Mm -hmm. Because you have some problems. And um, it was about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. And I, I didn't really think that it was much of anything, fine. I'll take a pill every day. I don't have to worry about it. And then um, my father passed away from kidney problems related to high blood pressure. And um, that was uh, eye-awakening. It, it really just kind of rocked my whole world. And um, to know that something as small as having high blood pressure could cause uh-huh. these huge problems in the rest of how your life is lived, and it was um, about a month after he passed, I was diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic. And that really just kind of set the roller coaster of, I need to do something different, and I need to fix this. How, how do I fix it? And it was actually my physician who said, have you ever thought about um, seeing a, bath, a bariatric surgeon? She said, you're not... You don't meet the typical requirements. My, my um, BMI wasn't 40. It was only like 35. I was barely there. Um, but at that point, I was a type 2 diabetic, and I had high blood pressure. And I, it, I was a little offended <laughs> when, when she brought it up at first. And then when I thought about it, I was like, you know, you can't fight your genes all the time.
1: Uh-huh. And,
0: um, so I did actually meet with Dr. Brown and his team.
1: That's Okay for anyone listening, she has a, a beautiful puppy and he was laying on the hardwood floor. So he, he had to get I just up. Have high heels on. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, um, so I did see Dr. Brown and, um, talked with them and they said, you know, you're a great candidate for this. And, um, are you interested in doing the classes? And so we started doing the classes and research and Facebook groups and, and talking to other people who had had it done. And, um, I just said, okay, this is probably going to work for me. And, um, so I had surgery in August, and within a week, my blood sugar was normal. And within two weeks, I was off of all blood pressure medication.
1: That's amazing. You So you, it really corrected a lot of those issues, like, right away.
0: Very fast. And they, they found that um, inside of your stomach, for p- people who are insulin resistant or have type 2 diabetes, uh, there is a huge component when it comes to the, ghrelin, the hormone ghrelin mm-hmm. that your stomach secretes. When you have VSG, it removes that part of the stomach that really overproduces that hormone and causes you not only to be hungry, but then to store everything that you eat as fat. So I, I had really tried to lose weight before. I was on keto for 18 months beforehand and I was able to lose about 26 pounds, but then it gave me a fatty liver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's until you get that hormone part fixed, it, it's not going to go well correct so now i'm um exactly three months out of surgery is that right three months complete i am 49.8 pounds down
1: nice
0: it's crazy so and i i haven't weighed this much since oh gosh i was 25 and and running half marathons yeah so i i feel amazing every single day i feel amazing and um I, I don't know why people wait to, to do the surgery. Mm-hmm. If, um, if you're having problems that can be fixed through this, do it. it. It is life-changing, literally life-changing.
1: I so agree with that. And I know a lot of people are scared of the surgeries and the what-ifs. But I was – I discovered this, I want to say, like December, January – And I researched it heavily, and I tunnel vision into things when I'm, like, really interested in it. So plus I came from a place where I never slept. (laughs) So if I couldn't sleep, like, my husband would be sleeping next to me, and I'd be, like, Googling different stories and watching YouTube videos. And so I made my mind up really quick. I went – that was January, and I had an appointment February 4th to go see Dr. Brown and a consultation, and I just went straight to him, and he goes, well – BMI wise, you're 35 and a half. Um, So you really don't qualify with just your weight. And I was definitely on the smaller side of this surgery to begin with. But um, he goes, I can tell just by looking at you, you're exhausted, which is always what a girl wants to hear. And (laughs) um, he goes, do you have sleep apnea? And I go, well, I don't sleep at all. And he goes, but if you do sleep, are you still tired when you wake up? And I said, yes. And he goes, there's a sleep clinic down the hall. I think you should go talk to them and see. And so I did the sleep test and all of that. In the meantime, started my classes. I was high on the sleep apnea scale. So with between my anxiety that I had prior to surgery and the reasons I couldn't fall asleep, if I actually did, I wasn't staying asleep, which was all just creating this cycle of Stress, anxiety, weight gain. Stress, anxiety, weight gain. Um, And anxiety was crippling my body. And so I, too, I'm, let's see. I just did the math on this because I actually lost track the last couple of weeks because I've I've stopped counting the days. Um, So I was 16 weeks this past Tuesday, 45 pounds down. And my sleep apnea is down to just 10% of what it was. My anxiety has lessened. My stress has lessened. My body's not hurting. Um, the physical pains I was having are gone. So I agree with you. I think if anyone's interested in this, just just go for it because the life style is hard, but it, the reward is so great.
0: Absolutely, I agree. So, so I'm curious: Do you sleep with a full face mask, or do you have the nasal? Um. Or so I
1: I did not have to get the CPAP because. I was going into surgery and this qualified me and my CPAP would not have been covered by insurance. None of the sleep test was covered. Um, yeah. Surgery was covered in full. So riddle me that. But <laughs> um, So because I was able to lose enough weight so quickly, I didn't have to get the CPAP because it oh. the, the weight loss reconciled it.
0: Awesome. And how are you feeling now? Do you sleep?
1: almost all the time. I still have anxiety days where it's hard for me to shut my brain off. Um, I'm just always going to deal with that. But I do, when I fall asleep, I now sleep. Good. So that's the biggest change because now I have energy, I'm less stressed. Um, and it was just hard to explain to anyone who wasn't going through it because you couldn't physically see what I was going through. Agree.
0: Yeah. And that's, it's amazing, isn't it? How how much pain you put up with and not realize that you are in that much pain. So Mm -hmm. I I remember like coming down the stairs in the morning and just my ankle killing me, the one that, that I broke. And it was within, I think two weeks after surgery, I was bounding up the stairs like Tigger because I had this much energy and nothing hurt. And it's, it's amazing how much I did hurt. And I, just wrote it off to,
1: well, this is life now. Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't have to be that way.
1: No, it doesn't. And yeah, I think we just, and especially as women, we're like, no, we're just going to deal with it. And then um, coming out of it, I was like, why was I doing that to myself? So <laughs> exactly. I never even heard of VSG until um, I ran into someone who had had it and they were really embarrassed. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean – I can see that it's a stigma of a weight loss surgery, but you're taking care of yourself, and it's self care, and um, so that's why I've been sharing my story.
0: I'm grateful that you did, really, (laughs) because I um, I have three friends that know that I did it, Mm -hmm. and my supervisor at work, and my immediate family here at home and my mother and, um, I haven't told any of my siblings or any other extended family or friends. And, um, I, I won't just because it's really not their business. Yeah. So, um, and, and there is a stigma and I, I just, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to invite that kind of judgment in my life. I just don't need it. And I, I tend mm-hmm. to put up big walls on what gets to affect me. So that's yeah. one of the things that I in.
1: I agree. And, Um, so I used to use this podcast, I actually, um, had a kind of pop culture-ish podcast, and I took down all those episodes and relaunched it in the VSG lifestyle, um, to really just reach out and make a difference, but it has invited a lot of negativity, and you know what, it's the people that I don't even talk to anymore, people that mean nothing to me who are making snide comments, and I'm like, well, that's fine, that's you, um, but I just—I don't know. I my give a damn broke a long time ago in regards to what people thought of me, um, and I think a lot of that had to do with how much anxiety I used to have as well, because things would just weigh on you. And I've—I've I've let that go. With the weight, it's gone. Nice. I'm getting
0: it.
1: so oh wh- So what is your goal one year out?
0: Um, I really don't have one really, um, I, the the only goal that I've really set is to have my BMI in that normal range. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I'm a relatively short person, I'm only about five three and a quarter. And um, I I just want to have a normal BMI. There's there's no other real um, goal that I have. Um, I would like to maybe start running again. Um, but even that is still kind of hard with joints when I have hardware in my ankle, but, um, I just, I want to feel good and I want to be at a healthy enough weight that I will feel like I'm going to make it another 50 years
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and, um, and be there for my, my kids and my spouse and, and to kind of have that, because we're already starting to plan retirement. We're punching out at 58 and a half. We're done. Mm -hmm. And, um, want to be able to enjoy that phase of life and be healthy enough to enjoy that phase. So in a year, I would just like to have a healthy BMI and um, maybe wear a bikini to a beach somewhere.
1: We'll see. Listen, I've not worn a bikini since seventh grade. I don't I don't think any amount of weight loss is going to change that for me. I um. I like to be completely covered. <laughs> if I could wear, like, a burka. Are you going to pull out, like, the, the
0: 1900 bathing suit from uh, wrist to ankle? Oh, yeah. With the frilly, like, all down the
1: legs. And I would also like oh, the shower cap because I don't want to have to wash my hair. <laughs> like... Oh,
0: I get that. Sand in places is bad. It's very bad. But... <laughs> But have you noticed how cold
1: you are all of a sudden? So I was cold before. Um, I've always been anemic and low blood iron. And so, which is the only thing on my test that Dr. Brown was like, um, your iron's real low. And I'm like, since birth, we're fine. Um, but I was always cold before. The one thing that is weird is um, even when I work out now, like I'm not sweating. My body temperature is totally, like, regulated.
0: That's nice. I used to be very, very hot all the time, and now I'm freezing. So I I've started buying clothes in smaller sizes that are fleece-lined, mm-hmm. like, fleece-lined jeans, and and um, I was even looking at the grandma flannel-lined jeans. You don't want to do that. It's, it's a bad thing. It is a bad, bad thing.
1: Well, <laughs> and I know that comes – the coldness comes from the metabolism – shift because mm-hmm. your body goes into starvation mode. So it's trying to put all of that nutrients and all of the energy it's burning right after surgery into get driving nutrients. So the rest of your body takes takes a little bit of beating. I've talked a lot about the hair loss um cuz for me it's like non-stop.
0: I've had none. Absolutely
1: none. So you're lucky cuz I have very thin hair to begin with. It looks thicker cuz it's dark, but um I started losing it within two weeks of surgery when I lost my biggest uh, bulk of weight, the quickest, because that three weeks of shakes is kind of brutal. Um, But so Dr. Brown was like, well, you'll probably be done by six months then, because most people start it in between three to six months. And he was like, if you started it early, you're probably ended early. Um, but that is why you'd lose hair and that is why your body is cold because it's too busy regulating the nutrition in your system, but, um, it eventually like subsides.
0: Okay. Yeah. My, um, so I didn't mention before, but my daughter who is my youngest daughter is 18. Um, she was seeing Dr. Long and had the sleeve a week after I did. Mm. So, um, and she's actually at the college at CSU. Since her first year of college in the dorms, recovering from VSG, <laughs> so um, she started losing hair right about the two month mark, and she's still losing it. I haven't lost any, so yeah. I have very, very fine, but a lot of hair, and um, thankfully I haven't lost any. I and she is cold all the time because she's also anemic. But yeah, um, yeah, she's everybody's different. It is crazy how the reactions that people's bodies have can be so varied and so different.
1: Well, and things that people have an issue with. So like on our board, there was a massive discussion on straw use and we're both drinking out of straws. (laughs) Like I have no issue with it whatsoever.
0: Because I I think my surgery was just about three weeks to a month after yours. Mm -hmm. And I saw you um, post something about straws and I was like, hold on, wait, you can use a straw? Yeah. And I, I think I was only two or three weeks out when I, when I finally asked you and you're like, since the day I got home and I was like, yeah, thank you. And I started using straws, but it's the only way I can get all my liquids in.
1: Well, and I think it's, I think it's kind of a wives' tale. That's my opinion of it Mm -hmm. because you drink just as much air when you take a normal drink as you do a straw. And so I think it's something that really, it's a personal choice, but I'm not like gasping down a ton of air when i drink out of a straw and for whatever reason i drink more water when i have a straw makeup cup so yeah, helps I me think.
0: what are your um hunger tells or not hunger um full tells do you hiccup runny nose like people talk about do you have any um
1: no i don't really have um i don't get hiccups or i haven't since surgery um I get like it's almost like pressure on my sternum. Like it, if I get re- too full too fast, it's like I can't breathe there for a couple of seconds. But I don't like get burps. I don't get hiccups. I do have like a weird gremlin thing that happens when I drink water now. Okay. In my esophagus, it's like a like a little burp that never surfaces or something. Um, yeah. But I had that before. I just notice it more often now because I'm drinking more water. Okay. Um. But yeah, a little gremlin sound. That's what I'm going to call it. It's the diagnosis. Um, but I don't really get, like, um, any of the signs that other people get. Um, very normal. Probably since I started soft foods. But those first three weeks were the weirdest because your stomach's swollen, and every time you take a, like, I brought home those little hospital cups and just poured my shakes into those, and those were my meals every two hours, like clockwork, and it would take me a long time to drink that little cup, because you just feel so uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I, I, so I I still have the little one-ounce ones, and I have the four-ounce cups that I bought off of Amazon to put um, smaller meals, because I still portion control quite a bit, just so I'm making sure I'm, getting my protein goals and, and getting enough calories in. But um, I, I had no problem drinking the one ounce cups while I was in the hospital, so much so that my nurse yelled at me.
1: Because <laughs> you were like, whoop.
0: Yeah, I was, well, because I, I was swollen, but I wasn't so, so restricted or I, I had no pain. It was zero pain, which was amazing. Um, it was just that constriction and I, I still have it. It's just, um, I guess not quite as tight, uh-huh. but I hiccup. As soon as I am full, and as soon as I feel a hiccup coming, I I step away. And um, I think that's the only thing I really struggle with now is trying to space out the bites. Mm -hmm. So that I can actually get the right amount of food in. But um, I'll hiccup for 15 minutes
1: after I eat. Yeah. So I don't do the um, (laughs) – this is a don't do as I do kind of story for VSG because the portion control is very important. But I find that I can't do the five to six meals a day. It's just not practical for me and working all day. So, um, like, I'll do a shake for breakfast. I I love my organ shakes because they're totally clean and dairy-free. And um, then I do, like, eggs or something for lunch. And then I do a piece of fish for dinner with some veggies. But that piece of fish might be six ounces. But it takes me, like, an hour and a half to eat it. Okay. But that's how I'm getting, like, my protein in because I just can't, like, snack all day or every two hours. It's just not conducive to my lifestyle. But I thought I was going to, like, become a new person and meal prep. So I bought all the containers and everything for meal prepping, and they're useless for me now. Like, I just, I should give them away to someone. So those are hidden in my pantry where my husband doesn't
0: look. Because I really thought I was going to do the same thing and so they're they're actually in the pantry like hidden at the bottom in the back where he can't see them he's six feet tall I'm only five three I see a lot of things down low that he can't yeah. so that's where I hide things that he shouldn't see
1: well and then my lifestyle is not the same either so we got married in March in Europe and then in the heights of the crisis with when trying to travel back um Never went back to working normally. I normally am out every day doing sales calls or I'm flying or I'm traveling. Um, So I haven't had to prep anything because I haven't left my house. But normally I would be traveling every week. So I haven't really had to figure out um, how to really make the VSG lifestyle live in a real world because of COVID. But um, that'll be a hurdle when I come to it. So maybe I'll use those containers one day. Maybe I. Just don't you.
0: Your next
1: move, it's fine. Yeah, I'm like, oh, where do these come from? Weird. Um, so what can you um say surprising the most about recovery during VSG?
0: No pain.
1: Agreed. I didn't have any pain. I was uncomfortable because you could feel like you were so swollen, but I had no pain. But I think that's because we had the on cue pump, and the other patients don't have that.
0: So, um, uh, my daughter had surgery with dr long and um he did a um kind of like a, a block an, an internal block we had the pump my pump lasted um literally until i came home the next day because a uh, genius over here walked into her kitchen and caught it on a drawer knob
1: <laughs> i do that all the time with pockets
0: <laughs> oh. But it was it was the line that was actually internal line, and it mostly pulled out. So I, I mean, I I was literally home for forty five minutes, and I'm already calling Doctor Brown's office. Like I, I did something bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just got home. Yes, I did. Um, and they said just go ahead and, and pull it out because it was leaking everywhere, and mm-hmm. it was still kind of in, but it was halfway out. But I don't feel like like I needed it or I had had enough of the um, the medication that was already in there that I had no pain. And really it, the only um, discomfort I had was um, swallowing too much at one time. So uh, a big sip of water or protein shake or, or
1: something. Yeah, that was a big learning curve.
0: That was. Um, and I kind of figured out how to do um, like a two-stage swallow from a sip. I don't know if you've figured mm-hmm. that out holding half of your sip in your mouth until it, the first one makes it all the way down. Um, and then um, getting out of bed in the morning, just finding the right angle to to sit up. And I, I think it was only the first couple of days, but after that, there was no pain. It was just a mild discomfort. And I was a little tired from um, the anesthesia. And I, I, I remember telling you know my husband and my kids, like, it's day five. I shouldn't feel this good. But mm-hmm. I do. And um yeah, you know, I have it in my journal that by day nine I had no more discomfort. I think I had figured out the swallowing and, and how to feed myself and to um to kind of realize, okay, well it's it's time to take, you know, your vitamin or, or medication or whatever it was and it's two o'clock, it's time to eat. And oh it's you know, two fifteen, you can now drink something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And once I had gotten into a good routine, um, I have felt amazing every day since. Agreed. So the, last, the last day that I, I felt anything kind of off, I think was day eight, but day nine forward has been amazing. Yeah.
1: Agreed. And I, um, so I don't take Tylenol and I don't react well to morphine, which is what they gave me in the hospital and then brought me Tylenol to take. So that was, I didn't take anything. And then, um, so when I woke up, I was really out of it because of the morphine. Um, I just, I had emergency surgery in 2010 and then I had a bad kidney infection in like 2015. So I I knew what my body did and didn't like going into this. So I had told them like, you have to give me dilatid post-surgery for pain. Like you cannot give me morphine. That's what they gave me. So my husband was telling the story he was like you woke up and you're like it hurts it hurts i have no recollection of this the only thing i can remember is throwing up for hours and apparently it turned into dry heaving i was like i don't i don't remember he goes well they made you get up and go walk and while they were out i told the nurse like why why are you giving her morphine like she's supposed to be on slotted." and they switched me and since that moment i was totally fine um and they took me off that at like two or three in the morning when I woke up because I was still not sleeping at that time. So I really drove my nurses crazy. Um, Cause I was like, so what are you all doing? And I would just walk out the hall and talk to them and they were like, you should go to bed. But I came home and I was dizzy from the anesthesia for a long time. Like I, I thought I'd get so much reading done and working on my book and I couldn't focus on words really. So I just listened to a bunch of audiobooks, um, And then I would take the, Paint. I got sent home with um, Oxy because it um, is not Tylenol based and I would take that to get a nap but it would only put me out for about like 30 minutes to an hour. That
0: is ridiculous,
1: you poor thing. So I was just like up and walking and then I walked around our courtyard in our complex in my pajamas and some slippers <laughs> in like <laughs> July because I was like what, what else am I doing? So there's just a little square and we would just walk slowly around it.
0: my house is a a circle so Mm -hmm. it's kind of open so that's all I did went from the sofa to the bathroom to the my desk and check email and then go to the kitchen and then back to the sofa and then um did you pace a lot when you were figuring out how to eat
1: yes because I would get so uncomfortably full after like one or two bites that I would just walk back and forth and like I'm in my bedroom now and I would just walk around the bed and back like before bed (laughs) Especially to take like the pills and the vitamins and all that. I was like, Well, I gotta take another drink, take a lap. <laughs> like And
0: what's crazy is my, my husband actually pointed it out yesterday. He's like, So you know that you still eat standing, right? And it had never clicked that I, I still do that. And I mean we, we have a, a it's a tall table. So I just push the chair out of the way and I, I eat standing and I it didn't even dawn on me that I was doing it until Said something, oh. and yeah, it's just funny the things the small things that you that change that you didn't recognize mm-hmm. had changed. So, well, I eat standing now,
1: yeah. I have a harder time eating at the table, I've noticed because it makes me want to eat faster. So, we now eat in our living room, um, watching TV, which they tell you not to do during mindful eating, but that allows me to kind of set it away from me. and. Go back and take and yes. eat. So it's a terrible, terrible habit. If I ever eat in the restaurant, I'm gonna have to figure it out. But um I will say there are things I'm glad I, reasons I'm glad I did VSG versus RNY, which um, is the gastric bypass. um, First and foremost, I'm glad that we don't really have dumping syndrome like an RNY patient does. Like we can get it a little, but not so not like they get it. I get it. You do. Yeah. I don't.
0: So it's, it's awful. Um, I tried, my daughter brought home caramel corn mm-hmm. and I had two pieces of caramel popcorn and I thought I was going to die. The, it, the heart palpitations, I was cold and sweating and then ended up in the bathroom for about 45 minutes. And I didn't think that we were going to be able to dump and I actually have that ability. So, and um, the only other thing that really upsets my stomach is if there's too much fat in something. So, we um, had made carne asada one night, and I love Mexican food. Mm -hmm. Um, It was was just a fatty cut of meat, and that was a no-go for me.
1: So, I have had it once, and it was recent because we ordered Chipotle, and I ordered it without rice or beans because I'm not big into beans, so if I don't have to eat them, I'm not going to. Um, so it was just salsas and then I did sofritas, which is the spicy tofu. Uh-huh. It, my, my new stomach did not like it whatsoever. And I've had tofu plenty of times, but the combination of the spicy, the guac and the, and the tofu, like Too it did much. not work out for me. Mm. Um, and there was really nothing in there that I shouldn't have been able to have. Cause I don't eat dairy. So there's no cheese, uh, limited fat from the tofu cause it's soybean and just, veggies and salsa really
0: wonder if it was the guacamole
1: could have been but i've eaten avocados too but um Mm. i don't know but that combination my system was like nope but um yeah that's the only thing i was never a sweet tooth um i haven't tried popcorn because i read somewhere that you should wait um a long time to do that just because of how it expands in your system Mm -hmm but um i do miss pasta
0: i haven't even tried pasta
1: yet i bought I've like tried. a green bean edamame one that was high in protein tastes like cardboard um so i'm uh-huh. i'm going to be trying it soon i do miss it <laughs> i'll try a wheat pasta i won't get a white <laughs> pasta um is okay. there is there I'm anything like you really miss
0: Um, not really. So the only thing that I really thought that I, I would miss and I haven't is, um, girls night and having a glass of wine. And, um, I was never a huge drinker before, but I definitely had, I think there were two different days where, um, yeah, the, the girlfriends had all gotten together on Zoom and they were drinking wine or having margaritas. And I was like, I would really like a margarita.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or I would really like a glass of wine. And um I, I don't I don't need it, but I, I feel like it's a habit just to, you know, kinda mm-hmm. hang out with your friends and socially drink. And that's the only thing that I miss, really. Um yeah, there's no food that I've really felt that I can't have other than sugar, which I was never a huge sugar person either. Mm-hmm. But no, there's there's not much of anything I miss.
1: So um, I, I was, not to sound horrible, but I was a drinker. So my husband collects and trades like high-end whiskeys. And every time we travel anywhere in the world, he has to go to some fancy whiskey or scotch store or something. Um, But when I met him, he got me into tasting, like, different craft beers all the time. And um, so it just became a part of our routine when we traveled. We'd go to a brewery or we'd go to a winery and try something new. Um, And I love my wine. But I also really enjoyed beer. And I tried to take a sip of it. And it's just not for me anymore. It doesn't taste the same. It doesn't feel the same because our taste buds just get so jacked. Um, I have had wine. I waited until my three-month mark, maybe a week later, actually, um, and I've had wine since then. I thought my tolerance would have changed. I thought I'd get buzzed like super quick. None of that happened for me. Um, I have no problem with wine whatsoever, but I haven't tried anything else. I used to like a good martini every once in a while. I'm afraid to try anything with strong liquor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I totally get that just because it's, I mean, I I don't want to ever put anybody off and say, Oh, your stomach is so sensitive and you can't do this or you can't do that. Mm -hmm. It really is trial and error. And, um, there, there are folks who, who can drink without a problem. There's others who can eat everything and have no problem. And until you really try it for yourself, I, I've always been able to take or leave alcohol. It didn't, it was never an integral part of my life. And, you know, I'm going to wait the full year I think just because that's what they at least recommended or I've read that wait a year see how you do um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because I don't feel like I'm I mean I'm three months out and I still don't feel like I'm fully healed like I'm still on my wobbly little baby VSG legs yeah you know, I call it my
1: newborn stomach I'm like oh did that, do you yeah. not like that I <laughs> not
0: <laughs> like it at all don't do this to me your stomachs out they're yelling at you like how could you do this to my life
1: yeah <laughs> me my up. i can say my new tummy is much happier with the the cleaner diet um because yeah. i was definitely a snacker before i never really thought i was like an overeater um looking back on it i was but not by eating bad food it was just portion size exactly
0: um most of the same
1: but now it's like so clean everything i have i have my cup of coffee in my morning uh, my shake I have nuts for a snack if I do need one I'll do like eggs fish and veggies and I'm very I'm happy with that I don't miss any foods I don't miss like crackers and hummus all the time or anything like that um, so it's it's weird because all these things you had before out of just convenience you realize you just you don't need
0: and you don't want that's one of the other things when we cleaned out the pantry, uh, recently it was there, there were things in there that I loved before, like, um, the townhouse crackers and just the idea kind of makes my stomach turn mm-hmm. to have that now. So it's, it is crazy how much your perception of food and things that you want changes. Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel like your body definitely tells you, you need something better. And um, you don't really want the the highly processed
1: anything anymore. Well, and the thing is, is you're going to be able to eat so many of those because they're slider foods, right? So they literally start breaking down in your mouth and dissolving. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know it's not a quality, nutritious food. Because if you don't have yeah. to chew it, there's a problem. Right. <laughs> um, and I follow a ton of people on Instagram. And I always see people who like complain, they're like, oh my God, a handful of M&Ms. And it's like ruined my diet. And I'm like, was it just the M&Ms? Or was it just one handful? Because the thing is, is you can eat a lot of those and not get full. But if you ate an apple, you wouldn't be able to finish it because it's a quality nutrient. Exactly. And, And so it's such a slippery slidey scale. And I will say the biggest lesson I think in my opinion, for anyone who's listening is to work the tool. Don't let it work you because it's, it's a long-term lifetime decision. So you have to treat your new baby stomach, right? Absolutely. All right. Where can everyone follow you in your journey?
0: So I'm on Instagram and, um, my handle is shrinking underscore 20. And that's where I am.
1: Awesome. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. We've I've been wanting to do this for a while. It's just the timing is always kind of crazy. Um, but I would love to have you back on sometime and talk about like our five tips for success and five things not to do and that kind of story as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. I really, really appreciate it. And I will link your Instagram handle in my podcast bio as well so everyone can find you thank
0: you so much thank you for listening to this episode of
1: life with liz